Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on Rashpixel.fm. I'm Pete Wright, and right over there, ready and motivated, Nikki Kinzer. Yes. Hello. Get this done. I'm standing up. Yeah, you are. Why don't you have an official stand-up desk now? Well, right now I have a crate. <laughs> it's coming. All right. Right now I have a crate and a towel. <laughs> and, my, and my fancy, blue, I, what is that? Bluetooth? Bluetooth Yeti thing. Oh, no, the, the blue mic. What does that say? Yeah. The blue mic. The blue yeah, mic, I'm looking Yeti, at it. The blue Yeti. I, yeah. Yeah. It's there fancy. You go. I'm ready. Well, we're, it's a digital episode today, and I guess it's a little bit of a different digital episode. I, I don't, I have a couple of recommendations, but it's much, this is, this is a personal, I'm going to tell a story today. Awesome. Uh, and, well, I don't know how awesome it is. We'll see. It's an experiment for me, and therefore an experiment for you. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Before we dig in, head over to TakeControlADHD.com and get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website, or please subscribe to the mailing list right there on the homepage. You'll get an email with the latest episode and a whole lot more each and every week. You can always connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at TakeControlADHD and call us at 503-664-4ADD to get your voice and thoughts and questions on this very show. Can I add something? Please. So I I did some sneaking around and I went into iTunes and I looked at our reviews. Oh. And uh, yes, and they're lovely. Thank you, everybody, for giving us reviews. But I just want to ask if there's somebody out there who hasn't given us a review and, and they would feel so inclined to do so that we would love to hear from you. Yes. On iTunes. We would. It is a great way to, to surface the show for people who are searching for uh, resources on ADHD. And you know what? It doesn't even matter what country you're in. I actually have a little script that actually looks for reviews in all of the countries where iTunes uh, operates. And so uh, no matter where you are, if you if you subscribe to us through iTunes, even if you don't, we would love it if you would take a take a second to go in and leave a review there. It's definitely the largest source of, of uh, you know, where people find us the most. Yes. I'm glad you remember that. Thank you. Thank you, Nikki. Uh, We have some other follow-up. Listener Lori, love Lori, wrote in to uh, ask us or to share a tool. It's a plugin for Chrome called OneTab. We have talked before about the craziness that comes with tabs in your web browser. Uh, If you use a lot of tabs and you're on Chrome, OneTab is awesome. And you can, so if you have a lot of tabs open, you can hit the OneTab button once you install it. And it groups all of your tabs into a list that is essentially a new sort of web page, a new group. It is. Su- it looks super easy. I don't actually use Chrome as my default browser. 
I have not personally tried it, but uh, once she recommended it, it has cropped up in a number of different conversations with other enterprising nerds who apparently use this thing. So I'm last to the party, uh, but it, it it may be enough to make me switch. So I'm definitely going to give it a shot. Uh, one tab. It's one-tab.com. Thank you so much, Lori. What do you use? If, oh, if I use, you don't I use, use Safari. Chrome. I use Safari. I, you know, I'm on a Mac. I, I, I like Safari. I think it's fast. It doesn't eat up memory. And I'm on, if you're on a laptop, Chrome is a notorious battery hog. So I can't use my system as long when I'm using Chrome if I'm on battery power. And so I just stick to Safari. It's super fast and lean. And, and it, it's actually making me want to look for a, a tab manager like OneTab that works for Safari. I just, haven't gotten to it yet. So, um, yeah. What are you using? You use, um, Chrome? Well, I use Chrome and I swear to God, I thought you were the one that told me to use Chrome because <laughs> I used to use Safari. Yeah. No, I, you know, I, but I I've, don't know. I've gone back and forth over the years. The, the battery thing is the thing that really pushed me over the edge. I would notice on the order of hours difference, uh, if I'm doing yeah. heavy web work, just leaving Chrome even open, it is a it's a terrible battery hog. It just hasn't been optimized that well for for battery and you know being sensitive to processors. Uh, and, and, and I don't have I don't use a desktop. Yeah, so right. You don't use a laptop. Or right. me, I use a desktop, but yeah. I don't use a laptop. Yeah. See, I'm all confused. Yeah. Right. Well, it, this desktop, one... laptop. It's a good thing you're doing the show and not me. I'm calling the Yeti the Bluetooth. The Bluetooth. I don't know what you've I'm doing. Got, you're talking into yes. a tooth. Well, and this is an actually an interesting point because one of the biggest um, uh, biggest like pitches for one tab is 95 percent memory reduction, and when you reduce memory, you reduce power, and so um, this is the, obviously one. OneTab is designed in some part, you know, one as a convenience, but two, uh, because Chrome can get very inefficient when you have a lot of tabs open. So uh, something to something to think about. Uh, your mileage may vary, but it looks like a great little tool. So thank you, Lori. Uh, we also we did a show. It was months and months ago, maybe a year ago, where uh, somebody had written in to talk about asking for support. Uh, at their organization for working in their ADHD. And it, we did a whole episode on this, and I'm, I'm going to have to search for it. I don't quite remember the episode number, but I'll put it in the show notes. Um, and we just got some feedback now here nay, a year later from this person, works at a very, very large manufacturing uh, organization. He says he wants to share his excitement with us in seeing his organization changing from a top-down authoritarian style of management to a bottom-up management approach and uh, shares some of the internal um, documentation that the company is now promoting. And it looks really beautiful. And it's as a result, largely, of working with, uh, with his team. And he says... Uh, you know, in this email, thanks for being constructively disruptive uh, and uh, by uh, by making changes in the organization, a very large organization, by being constructively disruptive, by asking for help and by sharing resources to teach managers how to be more helpful as well. I think it's a great story. So, uh, it it, is. you know, while, while we can't share, we're not sharing the specifics of the company. Uh, what we can say is that this, this works if you approach it, you know, if you approach it right, if you approach it well and authentically and transparently and helpfully, honestly, I mean, all of these things are good words to use when you're asking for help. So, mm -hmm. yeah. 
And we've got oh, one more. This is from friend of the show and listener Susan, uh, who says, A few years ago, my husband came up with the idea of setting a New Year's resolution for ourselves and one for each person in our family. We have two teenaged sons. The resolutions are suggested and then agreed upon on January 1st. We try to make them fun and something that pushes us towards something we've always said we want to do. For example, my son had me bake a pumpkin pie completely from scratch, including growing the pumpkin since I like to garden. My husband is learning how to forge metal, and this year I challenged him to make me a rose. We have a lot of fun doing it and review our progress monthly. I love that so fun. Well, it is fun. And I, and I appreciate her sharing that because that is such a positive spin to resolutions. Cause when I think of, you know, making goals or, or what, you know, new year's resolutions sort of as a whole, you're always thinking about improving something, making it better or changing something. And it's not always fun. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, I love it. This is more of like, Hey, what do you want to do? What's on your bucket list and kind of challenging you to do that. And, and baking a pumpkin pie can completely from scratch with the pumpkin. That's pretty darn cool. So thank you, Susan. And you know, this reminds me, I have to catch up with you on my challenge. Yes. How's that going? Because you, you're, I, I bet you have nothing in your house. That is uh, disappointingly, Nikki, that is not <laughs> true. It's terrible. I feel like, like we get rid of giant bags of crap and it's still, <laughs> our house looks, it looks, uh, you know, there are areas that look unchanged. Now, there are some drawers and some cabinets that we open up and they look beautiful. But uh, I said to my wife the other day, I said, you know what? I think we need to keep going uh, for at least another month and see what happens. So on February 1st, we're going to start from scratch again with one thing. And so we figure we're just going to ride it like a, a wave of decluttering intensity. Uh, and so we'll we'll pick one thing and then two things and then three things on the third, four things on the fourth until we get to the 28th and see how it goes. It is remarkably easy because uh, once you're in this mindset, particularly now that we're in the 20s, um, finding things that I just don't love, that I don't get the joy out of, that I'm not finding, um, you know, that connection to, that emotional connection to, it's really easy to start getting rid of stuff. And and I I don't know if I'm if I'm developing a fond addiction to decluttering. I I don't know that that's necessarily the worst thing. But is there is there a condition that is the inverse of hoarding? Like if I'm going to start like getting rid of doors. In my house, like well, eventually, get, just, there'll be no get hinges. Rid of doors. Yeah. Well, it's that minimalist <laughs> theory. I mean, you know, you might get a tiny house. Are you staying consistent? I have to ask you that. It, it, ha, have you done every day? Oh yes, have not missed a day. Wow, that's impressive, Pete. And and that's largely because uh, because we're doing this together. And so my wife and I, we will get together and we will do. Like, sometimes she takes it. Sometimes I take it. Like if it's one day, might be predominantly my closet. And we'll just get rid of, uh, I will take over coming up with the, you know, 20 things out of my closet. I, I Stunning to me that I have 20 things in my closet that I could get rid of, not that aren't clothes. They're, my closet has a floor. I didn't even right. know that. With a lot of stuff. So, well, not anyway. anymore because you're getting this, rid of it. Yeah. So I have to I have to update you on something that's goal-related yes. since we're on the topic. Sure. So one of my goals, one of my little mini habits was to meditate for one minute. And I've been tracking, I have like, I have, I think four mini habits that I've been tracking, um, since the beginning of January. And one of them is to meditate for, for one minute. And I was doing really well. And then I noticed 
because it was like staring at me that I missed five days. I missed five days in a row of meditating for one wow. minute. Like how, how could I not find time to meditate for one minute? Right. Yeah. How and did so that, I, how I'm, did that happen? How did, did that happen? And you don't really have any mem- memory of it. They just went away. No, I just remember, like I do, gosh, that's a good question. Cause that's totally something I would ask one of my clients. Do you remember I learned it from watching it? you, Mom. I know. I, I that is. Oh, oh boy. Now I have to think. Now, I, did I remember? I I know, like, I remember the first time I didn't do it. Okay, yeah, okay, whatever. I'm trying. I'm practicing, right? I'm going uh-huh. into the mentality of practice. I'm not going to be hard on myself. Second day, I think it was the weekend. So I just sort of discounted it as being a weekend thing. But then you know, you start looking at your tracking method and you see five empty boxes and you realize, okay, there's an issue here. Like I have to pay attention to this because five days for not meditating is, is really ridiculous when I have set the goal for one minute. I mean, this isn't, you know, 20 minutes of sitting in silence. So I had to reflect and think about what was stopping me. So I'm coaching myself. What's stopping me from, you know, doing the the one minute? <laughs> is that your is that your self-coaching voice? Yes, that's my self-coaching What's voice. What's stopping me from What's stopping me? It's yes. the ADHD What's, bear. <laughs> what is my roadblock? But you know what? After doing some re- little bit of reflection, I did figure out what it is. What is it? And I know people are going to understand this. Okay. When I, when I started this process, my thought was, okay, I'm going to sit down in my office, uh, on the floor and I'm going to turn the light off and I'm going to listen to my calm app and I'm going to meditate. And I was always meditating for longer than a minute. Cause that was just sort of the mini goal, but I usually would do like three to five minutes. And sometimes I do like a little, you know, guided meditation program thing that would be like 12 minutes. Yeah. Right. And that's what I was doing. Well, the five days that I didn't do it, it was those extra steps that were stopping me from doing it. Like I didn't, I didn't think about it at the time. So to ask, to answer your question, I didn't really think, oh, I don't want to get on the floor and meditate right now. But that really was what was stopping me was that extra step of having to sit comfortably on the floor, turn off the light, get my app ready and do it. So I, I changed it because if you look at, if you read the book, many habits, one of the things he says is that if you're not doing it every day, you have to change the habit. You have to make it easier. So I decided that I don't have to get on the floor to meditate. I'm going to just stay in my desk chair. And when I'm ready to do it, I'm going to do it. And I've done it every day since I've made that adjustment. There you go. Cause you know what you need to do to meditate. And sometimes you don't even need to do this. You just need to close your eyes. I you know. You can do it standing up and sitting down. I can do it anywhere. On a train, yes. on a plane. You can do it yeah. in a car. Yeah. Well, not if you're driving. Right. Someone else says <laughs> you could do it very far. See where I'm going right. with here. It's simple. I know. <laughs> it is. It is. And that's, you know, and I guess that's what I want to share with everybody is that I, you know, I, I didn't do it and I had to figure out why. And then I, I tweaked it and now I'm doing it and I feel great. That is awesome. That yes. is fantastic. Congratulations, Nikki. That is Thank wonderful. You. Wonderful Thank stuff. You. Uh, I am, you know, I, in terms of meditation, I haven't done a, a whole lot of just straight up like guided meditation, but I will tell you one of my clients, uh, some of the audio work that I do is I prepare, she, she does guided meditations and I have to edit them. And it's one of the most difficult things that I do because I have to actually edit a guided voice telling you to relax 
And it's, it is the hardest thing I do because I practically meditate right there. I was going to say, out, like I could, I could practically just black out. I'm focusing on my voice and I realize, Oh, that's five minutes. I have to go back and <laughs> listen to it again. <laughs> but then you tell yourself, but that's okay. Let that's the okay. thought go by. That's right. Don't put any judgment on it. Focus on it. Like that's my job. So anyway. that's tough. That's this, tough. Uh, let's, uh, let's dig into my story. Can we? Yeah. Yes, right. please. So the the theme I'm talking about here is surrender, and and hopefully it'll come clear why surrender has been an important word for me here. This is it, it's really it's it, the story is sort of three three reasons I'd like to share with you today. First of all, it is it's a technology story, right? It's kind of involves the foundation of my business. Uh, it's an ADHD story. I was really surprised by the impact that this event had on my activity and my interest and my energy and my emotional state. Uh, and number three, frankly, it's just ironic because I'm usually so on top of my technology that if this can happen to me, frankly, it can happen to anyone. And so let my life serve as a warning to others, that sort of thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the setup of the story is this. This is kind of the the technology stuff, right? So for those of you who don't know, I am also a photographer and videographer in addition to my work as a podcaster. And I've been shooting for a long time, you know? I mean, I, I started in broadcasting, you know, so I was in uh, on television and fell in love with cameras and started the video work. I sort of backed into still photography, but I, I've been shooting in some way, shape, or form all my life. Uh, only about 10 years or so have I been paid to shoot still photography and, and videography, but still, uh, you know, a long time. And the experience overall has been pretty fantastic. And I, I have big cameras, right? As a result, I've got lots of gear and the cameras I use take large photos. Uh, you know, I shoot in what's called raw format. So, you know, a simple comparison, a JPEG image out of your iPhone or your Galaxy might be uh, two, two and a half megabytes in size, just in terms of the data footprint it takes up on your on your phone. And one f- photo from my camera is closer to 40 megabytes, 40 to 45. So they're very large. That means they take up a lot of space. In, in storing these raw photos, it, it requires a, a big, big drive, right? Or a set of drives. So I have this thing, it's called a Drobo. And a Drobo is a storage array. Uh, it's, it's magical. It's a black box. It's very, very simple. And when you take the little front face off of it, it has space inside of it for five regular hard drives, Right. So you just regular, you go to Best Buy, you can buy what they call them naked hard drives, which sounds so pornographic, but it just means there's no case on them. You're supposed to stick them into something else. Right. Um, these naked hard drives you can put and, and it can be they can be any size. You can mix and match sizes, one terabyte drive, two terabyte, three terabyte. What happens when you put all these drives in and plug it into your computer? The Drobo is seen by the computer as one external hard drive. Right. So mm-hmm. I have my. Uh, my Drobo set up and I plug it in and had 12 terabytes of data available to store on it. Okay. So a lot of data This is very, very big device. And what's beautiful about the Drobo is if one of those naked hard drives fails, you can just pop it out and replace it. And your data is not lost. You never lose anything on the Drobo because it's this magical way of like moving data around on the drives so that it's always duplicated internally. It's it, it's a fascinating and wonderful thing, but it is proprietary to Drobo. They invented this this thing. Uh, it, it's essentially a version of RAID. If you're a technologist, you know what a RAID array is. That's what this is, but it's proprietary, and that's the problem that I ended up having. Uh, when it works, it works really, really well. So on this Drobo, on this hard drive, 
I had all of my client projects uh, for the last 10 years, all of the old video projects, Final Cut uh, projects that I've been working on. And, of course, I had the master raw files of all of my photography. So this box really ends up being the sum of my professional career, and that doesn't even start to catalog all the personal files that I had stored there. So most of the projects on this drive were finished, right? So I didn't need the raw final cut source of the films that I'd worked on for clients because they were finished. They're on Vimeo or YouTube and and my clients have them. I don't I don't really need them anymore. I was saving them because I had the space to save them and I you know, if I ever need to go back and find assets, it's convenient but it's not necessary. So um the photos, however, uh were not finished. They were raw. Right. To publish them, you essentially it means you have to develop them. And so I'd have to grab the raw file. I'd have to post-process it, develop it, make it the photo that I want to show the world, then render it out and upload it to a sharing service like Flickr or Facebook or whatever I, I, I want to do with it or, or make an art print of it or something like that. But they were unfinished. And I didn't have finished versions of most of these projects. In fact, you know, I have uh, on a particular shoot day that's not for a client, I might publish immediately one, two, maybe three photos, and then I'd put the rest in my archive to come back to later when I feel up to it. This drive was also connected to my CrashPlan online backup account, and it was dutifully plugging away at, at moving my files, copying my files to secure storage in the cloud. I think in terms of just photos, there were roughly 100,000 raw images on this drive. 100,000. 100, so 000. I just want to clarify, um, cause I'm, I'm listening and I'm trying to follow you. The, the Drobo was storing these things, but you also had the crash plan as a second kind of like, it was also going there to go to the iCloud. So you were kind of saving it in, well, in three places, right? Cause you had the backup in the Drobo, and then you had the Drobo going to the cloud. Well, remember, these raw photos, they're so big, my internal hard drive on my computer is not big enough to store them all. Oh, I see. So they were going straight to the Drobo. The, yeah, the raw, if I was working off of the Drobo, when I would want to go, you know, reach into the Drobo and get a, a finish and finish a photo, I, it would live, the, the main file would live on the Drobo, but also ideally syncing up to CrashPlan as my offsite mm -hmm. backup, right? So mm -hmm. this is a best practice thing, right? That, that you we've know, we've talked I, about it before. Yeah, we've yeah. talked about it before. So now let me move into part two of my horrible story called The Incident. Uh, in summer of 2016, it's about six months ago, we took our annual trip to New York, you know, two weeks away, totally disconnected. I got back from the trip. I unpacked everything and I powered up all my gear. The Drobo reads on my computer, failure to mount. Now, confusing, right? Uh, drives have failed before. I have never seen this error. So I did some searching and others on the internet had seen this error too. Some of them had some steps to fix it. I tried those steps. They didn't work for me. I contacted Drobo. They said, hey, you know what? Your Drobo is EOL'd. You know what that means? End of life. That means we don't support you anymore. You are a year out of warranty on your device. So if you want to talk to us, you have to pay us per incident service. So that's a that was a hundred bucks. I had to pay Drobo in order to reach into their engineering smarts to the people who made this thing and have them help me figure it out. They So when when this error happened, did it happen at like did it happen right around the one year or was no, no, it, it like it had been end of life to, uh, for uh, for a year, right? So it And how long just, have you had this? 
Uh, well, at this point, it would have been like four years. So you'd had it for four years. Yeah. Something went wrong. You reached out and they're saying, no, this is the end of life. Like, yeah. so you, you, have pay to, you don't have a support. warranty. It was great that they yeah. even offered support because I'll tell you, I started calling around to drive recovery services, right? These are the, the people who uh, have the expertise to do forensic analysis on your drive. And because of the proprietary nature of the Drobo, they said it was going to cost, it would start at about $1,500 just to get started, but it could range in the seven dollars to $9,000 to, oh, to recover my data. That's a skill set that I don't have. So I did the things that Drobo recommended, and they they said on the last you know support request, this is with the engineers who built the thing. If this doesn't work, we're all out of ideas. That was the last message that I got. So... Now you can imagine, I, I also have to say, like the, this event happened in June of 2016, June, July. I didn't touch it. I powered it off and didn't touch it for six months. And that's where the, um, the, the brain damage sets in, right? You were avoiding it. Nikki, the shock of the yeah. awareness that so much of my life, my work product, I felt like I'd been hit in the head with a shovel. I yeah. was paralyzed how do you I, even face it yeah, right yeah i couldn't mm -hmm. i couldn't work literally couldn't couldn't work uh, on photography i mean i i had a few client projects that were already scheduled and i shot those but otherwise i did not pick up a camera for six months at all i went from taking one to two thousand personal photos a month to about a thousand photos over six months and none of them were personal they were all for client projects i mean I was paralyzed, and this is the point of the whole story. My brain told me, if I lost all of that history, what could possibly be the point of moving to the future? Right? I, I, I did not, I, uh, why should I pick up a camera? I've lost everything I've done for the last, you know, 20 years. Um, so what's, what's the point? Who cares? If it can be gone that quickly, who cares? Uh, I, I can't stress enough how much brain damage that is. Of course, it's brain damage. And, and you're probably asking, if you're listening to the story, what about crash plan? That is a great question, right? Why didn't I just go to crash plan? Well, you know, uploading from these services is slow. And because of the size of the drive that was attached to crash plan and the fact that it was a network drive, right? It wasn't just a direct connect drive. The data transfer to crash plan was very, very slow. And over months and months and months of uploading to crash plan, my Drobo had not reached the photo directory. It was still working on uploading final cut files and client files but hadn't gotten to P for photo masters. Hmm. You see what's going on there? Yes. So yes. I, I, I could recover stuff that I didn't want or need. And I, uh, so the system was in place. What was against me was time. In this case of, of a failure, I had never, and I wasn't even paying attention to it. I wasn't paying attention to how fast it was uploading. So uh, I, I went out to, to breakfast and I was in this, this space of immense grief and paralysis and and I as I open this up again to start working with Drobo in December and I posted something to Facebook and this friend of mine from uh, he lives up near Seattle and he said you know I'm going to be down there this weekend let's let's go get some breakfast and we'll talk about it now this this guy happens to be an engineer he actually is charged with managing uh, uh, several very very large data centers 
across the country. And what is a data center but a building full of hard drives? Like if there's a guy, an engine software engineer who knows uh, about you know more about how hard drives and data structures work, I, I've never met him. This is the guy. Mm-hmm. And he sat down and, and essentially, um, you know, told me the same things. First, first of all, he said, hey, I'm kind of a data recovery hobbyist. So, um, you know, if, if we can't get the data back or if you can't get the data back through Drobo or, uh, you know, I'd be happy to take it and take a look at it. But you got to know that because of the proprietary nature of the Drobo, anything I do will be destructive, which means um, like I'll, I'll go scraping around for stuff. But if I can't find it, there's a chance like it's going to be erased, like just the act of search. Searching for it will erase it uh, if it mm-hmm. doesn't work. And so there you go. I'm in this space of paralysis and grief, and he's looking at me after telling me all of this, and I'm resolving myself to this, like, just denial that this is possibly happening, that my professional career is, a, is locked in a stupid black box. And he says, so what are you going to do? And for the <sighs> first time in six Cry. months. Well, you know, I think that was the moment that it hit me that uh, I was, I had fallen into my own trap, right? Mm. I'd fallen mm-hmm. into it and I didn't even see it. I tricked myself into thinking that I, uh, I was, um, that, that I was only this one thing circumstantially, right? That, that I was only a photographer because of the history that was sitting on the strobo. And when he asked that question, like out of instinct, I, I remember so clearly, I said, well, I guess I better start shooting. Wow. It was tough. It was tough because it wasn't that just being able to say that was not coming face to face with the fact that the Drobo is so stupid and and failed, right? My Drobo. I I, I don't say anything about other Drobos. This Drobo, I've had multiple Drobos over the years and it served me well. This is a thing that happens to technology, right? It's a thing that happens to technology. It's It's, not perfect. It wears out. It falls apart. Sometimes you just can't. You don't know when it's going to go south. There are only some things that you can do to try to mitigate the failures that will occur invariably. Right. And so, I, I mean, I have had so many people try to tell me where my points of failure were, which is really, you know, not that helpful. I, I know there were there were plenty and there were some big ones. The biggest being I'm not a major enterprise with huge IT budget. Right. I, I can't afford to do the things to recover this kind of data that that, uh, you know, a big company might you know have no problem with. The, you know, the problem was one of the problems was crash plan. It's a great service, but it was very, very slow. And it turns out on my data on that big drive crash plan was so mired in these videos, it, it it didn't get to the data I needed. I had the system. I had the redundant storage online, offsite backup. It was just that time was not on my side. So uh, today, I have a new 12 terabyte archive hard drive, and I started clean. It's not a Drobo. I have a new time machine. You know, it's the Mac specific kind of always on backup drive. And I hadn't really been using time machine because most of my in my you know current projects are in a Dropbox folder, and that's always synced and it's always up to date. I verify that regularly. Uh, but now I have this time machine as an additional backup. That's on my my core laptop. I have a new scratch drive for current projects that's bigger than my computer but smaller than the archive drive. And all of these drives and my Mac are connected to Backblaze. And I'm telling you, in just a few weeks, Backblaze uploaded my whole Mac, my scratch drive, and the new contents of my new archive drive without a hitch. I have tested a restore. It has been super reliable and incredibly fast. 
Uh, mm. And so I am really pleased with the technology that I have set up right now, because you'll see now I have, you know, I, I have verified that that the, the axiom, you know, if in terms of backup and archive, two is one, one is none, right? I've got two copies of everything in multiple places. And that, and that is, that gives me a sense of solace, but it also has changed my behavior. I now have each of my hard drives. I've added as a contact, I've named them and they're a contact in my address book because the address book is connected to the calendar by default on, on the Mac. And when you put a contact in there with a birthday of when you buy it, then it'll say, you know, this hard drive's birthday is on such and such a date, just like, you know, Nikki's birthday. She's however many years old because I have your birthday in there. I can see your age in my calendar. Well, now I'm 29. Have, exactly. And it's just there every year. Um, so I'm always now, 29. <laughs> I have my I have my computer and my hard drives and everything as contacts with birthdays so I can see on my calendar how old they are. When they hit three years, I go buy a new one like I am budgeting mm. for that. I will not have anything fall that far out of warranty again. I just cannot afford the grief and the emotional upset. Um so, so that is, that's wow. one thing. And, and, um, but, but that's just the technology part, right? I think the, the biggest awakening was figuring out what my brain did to my life for six months. I was, I mean, it took me into a very dark place and I am somebody who, I mean, we've done this podcast for years and I am somebody who likes to think that I'm pretty on top of my living systems and I didn't even know I had failed it. Um, I, I, I guess this is, again, as I, I started with, this is a story of, of kind of, it, it can happen to the best of us. Um, it, it cost me six months of creating something I deeply love and, uh, you know, I, I wasn't getting better. I wasn't improving. I wasn't changing because I was completely stagnant and I had essentially given up on, uh, on, you know, this thing that I built a career around, uh, and that, you know, once, once I sort of woke up to that, I realized that's, that hurts. I've been hurting myself, mm-hmm. um, and, and wasn't living sort of honestly and authentically. You know, a couple of things that come to mind, first of all, thank you for sharing. Um, because I know that we have a lot of loyal listeners and, uh, I, I think that they're going to share in your grief and, and in your disappointment and, and, uh, you know, cause they know, I mean, they've heard you talk about technology and, mm-hmm. and if they haven't seen your photos, I can attest to that, how beautiful they are. You're a wonderful You're very photographer, thank very you. talented and videographer because you've done some of those things for me for my yeah, business that's right um, <laughs> i don't yeah. have those anymore by the way <laughs> that's okay we don't need those uh <laughs> but you know so first of all i i give you a lot uh or i want to acknowledge you for having the courage to uh talk about it and to bring it to our audience because you know that that's not easy it's it's definitely coming from a place of vulnerability you are you know, admitting that I wasn't, this didn't work the way that I thought it was going to. No, and I don't think it's even a fault of you or doing anything that you did. It just happened and now you have to deal with it. Um, but what I, I love and I hope that people really get out of your story is the perseverance that you showed and that you gave yourself the grace and the time that you needed to grieve over that. Um, 
And yeah, you went to a dark place, but sometimes we have to go to those dark places to, to look at the light, right? Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what you did. And so that timing, uh, you know, I believe things happen for a reason. The timing of your friend coming down when he did and having that conversation with you and you being able to answer him um, in a way that was so distinct, didn't take a lot of thought. You just knew at that moment, I have to continue sh shooting. I have to keep doing this. You know, I think that, you know, your friend came down here for, you know, the timing was perfect. He came down here for a reason. You had that conversation. You're talking about these things. And without hesitation, when he asked you that question, you knew what you needed to do. And that was, I'm going to keep shooting. And I just think that that's really, um, inspiring because that was probably one of the worst things that have ever happened to you in your career. And you were able to not let it beat you down. It didn't get you, you got back up. It took time and I'm sure it still hurts and it probably always will. Um, but I also know because I know of your photography and I know you as a person, um, you're going to still create beautiful, beautiful work. And, uh, uh, I just really appreciate you sharing that. Um, and I, you know, thank you. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. I, I just want to, this, this was the thing that was kind of surprising to me about this whole experience. Like when he asked me that question and I said, I, I got to start shooting, I, I had no way of predicting, like I would not have been able to tell you, I think I'm ready to start shooting again. Like that was just, it, it was like an instinct, right? It was a gut mm -hmm. response. Um, mm -hmm. I was, I was in, in a point of grief until I wasn't. And I have no idea uh, what it was that, that took me out of it. And I guess the, that, that lesson is, you know, when you fall out of awareness that, and you, you don't know it, like I did, um, you also sometimes surprise yourself by falling back into it. And, mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. be, be, I guess, be open to that, uh, because that, that's something that I'm, I'm trying to keep more front of mind, like uh, just to be aware of my own space and how I'm, how I'm engaging in the world, because this is, this is a six month ex example where, um, I wasn't, you know, what's, what's really, I think important about what you just said hmm. is that it can happen if you're paying attention and you're aware and you're open to when those moments might happen, that that's shift right from grief to, okay, I need to move forward. You had that in a conversation, right? Mm -hmm. You had that mm -hmm. in a conversation with a friend. And so that's something that I would want to, you know, have people think about. It's like, what, what is being, or what is, what's catching your attention? Is it something you read? Is it something that you see? Is there some, a quote that all of a sudden just really touches you? I mean, it's those subtle little things. They're not big. It doesn't like you just, you know, it, it doesn't just crash into your front door and like, okay, you're over it now. Yeah, but right. it's these little subtle things that, like you said, you didn't even think about how you were going to answer that question. You, you just were there. So I, I just think it's a great story. I, again, I appreciate you sharing it. And, uh, you know, it's not just about technology and, you know, back up, back up and change your system. And what did you learn from it? I mean, obviously you learned from it because you have a new system now, but I, it, I think it goes much deeper than that. Well, so yeah. And you. I'm, thank I'm you, definitely Pete. beyond the, the, the technology part. Like I've, I have, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I still don't know what the, the final ultimate state is, but I can tell you I'm closer and closer every day to saying, you know what? I know what the ultimate state is and I'm done. Like mm -hmm. I'm really done. Mm -hmm. it, it like trying to, it, it is, it looks so bad. The prognosis looks so bad and I've kind of accepted the idea that I'm starting again. And so uh, like I'm, that is, that feels like a very different place than I, 
I have been about this particular issue. So I thank you for uh, letting me share it. I hope the, the story uh, is useful to someone out there. And um, if not, then you um, uh, will talk to you next week. And I'm sure that will be of interest. <laughs> Let's count on that. Um, and, and you know what? <laughs> something, you, something, you, yes. Something's going to be of interest. And, and you know, if you want to, uh, if you if you want to uh, catch up with some of the new stuff, the new photography, you can find it on my Instagram. I'll, I'll put a link in the in the show notes. I'd love you to check it out. Some of the new stuff. Yes. Yeah, so we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that. I want you to to tell people. So obviously Instagram, but where where Pete Wright? Well, I mean, like, no, what do I they got, do? How Rush, can they find your work? <laughs> well, Instagram's a, Instagram's where a are you, though. Pete Wright? I, where are I, you? You know, my my photo site is rashpixel.photo. and um, you know, so that that's a fine place to find me. And uh, okay, uh, in, Instagram.com. Uh, it my I'm username is uh, rashpixel on Instagram.com, and so I I started my you know for years. I did a daily photo where every day I published just a photo that I was interested in. And it wasn't a client photo. It was a, it was just, you know, a person or a thing that I was out shooting. And I, and, and that really kept, kept me motivated. And I stopped doing that in 2016. And, and so in, in some ways I see the, the big failure in the middle of 2016 as a reminder that I need to keep my eye on photography because I didn't post the, the daily photo at all really in 2016. And so now I'm back to doing it. And here we are on day 27 and I still need to go in and, and post today's photo but I've hit it every day and, and it's, it and that's feels, on your Facebook page. It's, it's on, it's everywhere. I post it or to my it's face, everywhere. To Facebook. Okay. I post it to Instagram. I post it to the, the original, like, you know, Instagram sometimes crops it. Um, not like I want. So the original, if you want to see the original, it's either rash pixel dot photo or, or you can follow me on Facebook. I'm, I'm great with that. Okay. So, so I have to just say one thing, yeah. this last photo, I don't know if yeah. it was yesterday or the day before, it looked like a poster for a horror movie. <laughs> it was the yeah. creepiest thing I've ever seen. Awesome. I mean, it's really cool. So you guys have to really check this out. But it, it I... What was going on with her mouth? Like, what? How? What is that? Like, I I can totally see the child sleeping, but like, what's above her? I'll tell you. <laughs> I, could, I, do you want the brief story? Like, honestly, I can tell you. Yeah. So there there are a couple. The, yesterday's and and today uh, is from the same shoot. I I have the great. Uh, 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 luck to be connected with a young man who is, uh, he's about to start at University of Colorado at Boulder. He's from Boston and he is a, uh, an aspiring Hollywood makeup artist. And I connect with him. He happens to go, his family happens to go to the same uh, vacation spot that I attend. He has been at my kid's camp counselor uh, for a number of years and he loves doing crazy makeup. And so the last two years, we've set up a shoot where he gets his his volunteer friends to come over to his house, and he does just crazy nightmarish makeup to them. Oh and, my gosh, and that totally we set makes up a sense now. I do the photography. And so last year, we had some just terrible, horrible... You'll see, if you scroll through my Instagram feed, you'll find them. They're, they're just grotesque, but it's a great showcase of, of a young guy's great work, and, and I think he's gonna he's really going to go places. So if I can help him with his portfolio, uh, so much the better. It's It's been a real treat to work with him oh it totally looked like a movie poster for a horror movie you guys did fantastic and now that that completely makes sense because i'm i'm just thinking you're like i didn't even know i'm like what how did he do that did he put (laughs) 
<laughs> did he put something in the photo? Did he edit it some way? Like I could, and then I'm looking at it and it's like, it's scaring me. I don't even want to look at it anymore. <laughs> well, Great work. I mean, especially if you're into horror stuff. Oh my gosh. You guys yeah, should go totally. to Hollywood and make a billion bucks. Totally. Well, and I'll, I'll put the link to his, his, his name's Philip Teibel and he's very, he's pretty public on Instagram too. And so I'll put a, a link to his stuff. He does some stuff that I didn't shoot. That's just really, I mean, it's amazing if you're into to horror makeup or bizarre like Tim Burton style stuff. He's he's really very talented young man. So props oh, to, well, to good luck to him in so, his career. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you, Nikki, for Great. the platform, and uh, and thank you everybody for listening. I um, again hope it helps. And uh, uh, in the meantime, you know, back up, people, just back up. Yeah, right. Back up. Two <laughs> no is one, kidding. one is nine. And, and get back up on the horse when yeah, the horse right. and you right. fall. Back up, then get back up. Uh, thanks everybody. Yes. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next week right here on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast.